My name is Bobby, and welcome to Lost in Transliteration. This podcast has been set up to talk about a variety of topics concerning Yah and his ways. A disclaimer, this is to provoke thought and action, to get you to study, read, and pray. And with that sentiment, welcome and enjoy the following teaching. Hello, this is Bobby, and welcome back to Lost in Transliteration. Now, today's word uh, study that we're going to be doing is actually really interesting, and I decided to go with this one first because it is really important overall. The problem is, is that this word isn't actually in the original Greek at all. If you follow the etymology of this word, you will not find it in the scriptures at all. This, of course, is the word church. Now, I contemplated many ways to disseminate this information, but honestly, I feel like it would take way too long to follow every single etymology, but I am going to talk about the main three words that are used around this word church, where a lot of people think the word comes from and where it actually comes from. So let's get into it. Now, the first etymology I want to look at is the Greek kokurios or kokurion. It is mentioned only two times in scripture, once in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty, which talks about the master's supper, and the other is Revelation 1, 10, which talks about the master's day. Both times it is translated as pertaining to the master, and we're using that word master for a reason. We'll go into that a little later. Now, the second word is the word kirk or kirke, which is actually a transliteration of the word kokurios or kokurion. Now, again, this word is only used twice in scripture. And I agree that this is a transliteration from the Greek word kokurion. The word kirk or kirke is Middle English, Norse, Scottish, and there's even a derivative in German. This has a meaning of a building or a literal church. Again, there's only transliterations of the word kokurion a kokurios. Now, if you look up kokurion, you'll see that it was also used, kokurion, it was a place of worship. Now, the third is really interesting. It's the old English word circe, which is where all the modern languages derive the word church from. It doesn't come from kirk, it doesn't come from kirke, and it doesn't come from kokurios. It comes from the old English circe which is where all modern languages derive the word church from. Look, it's even in Webster's Dictionary. This is the one we will search out in more detail. This word is also not in the scriptures. Again, it's not in the scriptures. However, it is referred to, and there is a very significant reason why this word is referenced, but not spoken. The word used is ecclesia. Now, you've probably actually heard this word before. I would not be surprised if actually your pastor or one of your elders has actually brought up this word in one of your churches on Sunday. It comes from Strong's G1577. This word is actually made up of two Greek words. You might have heard that before. If you haven't, it's Strong's G1537 is ek or ex, which means out of, from, by, away from. Okay? And Strong's G2564, which means kaleo, primarily meaning to call. This word literally means 
to be called out or called out assembly, but I like to refer to it as him calling out his people. You're being called out. So if the word church does mean building, why did they change it in every single passage where there is ecclesia, which means to be called out? And if it's true what I'm saying, then what are we supposed to be called out of? Well, I think it's really important to find out what the word Circe means. Circe is actually a Greek goddess from Greek mythology. Now, before you go too crazy and go, oh, that's not true, or man, it doesn't matter. Literally, it does matter because I believe this person to be in scripture, not mentioned by name, which I won't be doing anymore as well. But she's mentioned in scripture, not by her name, but by her details, by who she is and what she does. The first findings of this person is found in the Iliad. There is clear archaeological evidence that these stories were being told before the time of Messiah, as late as 400 to 600 BC timeframe, maybe even before that. I will be no longer mentioning this person by name and will refer to her as well, her or she. Now, there have been throughout history and is today many hers. There are well over 45,000 denominations of her. There is, however, only one great whore where all these others derive. The false gospels and false teachings that have been passed down from generation to generation through her. Our Messiah, Yahushua, took down the prominent her of his time, the religion of man-made Judaism and its teachings. Today, we have a three-beast system pushing forward Great Babylon through all 45,000 hers. Let's look at some scripture, Revelation 17, 1 through 4. And there came out of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show you unto the judgment of the great whore that sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the Ruach HaKodesh into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting upon a scarlet-colored beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman arrayed in purple and scarlet colored, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand and full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. That's interesting, isn't it? It's talking about a woman sitting upon a scarlet-colored beast full of the names of blasphemy. She has a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness. She's decked in purple and scarlet. You notice a color missing there, not... It's blue. Blue is missing. It's a very important reason why it's missing. Go search it out in the Torah. She sits on many waters... How is it possible that a whore can sit on many waters if it's talking about one specific entity or one specific person? Waters, of course, means nations. And it says the kings of the earth are committed fornication. Now, I'm going to tell you, kings can mean powers. Kings can mean like literal leaders. But, you know, we're referred to as kings as well. So that is definitely something to look into and keep in the back of your mind. 
And it says, the inhabitants of the earth have all been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. The inhabitants of the earth have all been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. I know that I drank of it. Whether I was led when I was younger or, <laughs> you know, even when I got older, I made a lot of excuses, but I definitely drank of the wine of her fornication. So what is the wine? That would be the important thing. Man, they're all getting drunk off this wine. Wine is doctrine. Wine is doctrine. The Messiah actually mentions wine in one of his parables. The old coat with the new patch, the new wine, and the old wineskin. I wonder what that could be referring to. Let's look at another passage. Revelation 18.3. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornications. All the nations and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. One word I want you to pay attention to here is merchants. Merchants is very interesting. And I'm not, I'm not saying I'm positive on this, but I've heard it said that merchants are actually like the rich people of the earth and the people that are out making money and things like that. But it's so funny that, you know, not everything is a literal thing in this prophecy here, in this vision, but we're going to take the word merchant as being a word that we should take literal. I believe the merchants are all of those who are buying and selling the truth, which is mentioned in scripture quite a bit. These are the people out making money from the wine of her fornication. These are all those that are actually getting rich through the abundance of her delicacies. It's not saying that these people are out there getting rich on oil or, you know, getting rich on technology and, and chips and, and all these different things. No, it's saying they're getting rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Well, what are her delicacies? Just something to think about. <laughs> But in the Iliad, she is known to carry a golden chalice filled with all sorts of pharmacia. She would mix wine and pharmacia. She would then turn her subordinates with that wine and pharmacia into docile wolves and lions. And through those lions and through her pharmacia, her golden chalice, her cup, she would turn all other men into swine. She is the daughter of the Greek sun god. Does this sound familiar? All the nations are drunk on her fornication. She blasphemes and gets merchants rich. She deceives all the nations. It's time to wake up and listen to the voice from heaven. Revelation 18, 4, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. So let me drill this down for you so I get my point across, what ultimately is my point. She is getting everyone drunk off her doctrine. The merchants of the world are selling her truth. The kings are committing fornication with her. She's turning her subordinates into proudful lions and ravenous wolves. And through them and her wine, these proudful lions and ravenous wolves are turning all other men into swine. Do not be partakers of her sins any longer. Stop buying and selling her truth. 
Ecclesia, this is a call for you, those who can humble themselves to Yahuwah's truth, to come under humble obedience to our Messiah, Yahushua, the only name under heaven in which we can be saved. You are to be a called out people of Yisrael. If you believe in Yahushua, you are no longer a Jew or a Greek or a Gentile. You belong to his people. I don't expect you to take any of these words and just believe them. The point again is to get you to think, why has this word been changed? Straight up changed, not transliterated, but changed. You can go watch 10,000 videos how people say that it's okay that you use this word. But I'm telling you right now that it's not just about the word. It's about what it's hiding. Why is it that people walk into the daughter of a sun god on the sun god day of worship and drink the wine of her fornication? If this is what Yahuwah wants for his people, why does it seem like a highway and not a narrow path? Now, for all those who do want to know, the word associated with he, in Hebrew with ecclesia, that would be kahal. Now, kahal, if you actually take each letter and its meaning, is to come after or follow after the Ruach HaKadosh, to behold and look at, the, at, what, at what his spirit is revealing, allowing us to be directed and taught and disciplined by his spirit. That's literally what kahal means if you break down each letter. This is what our Messiah Yahushua preaches, those who worship in spirit and truth. Not our Ruach, but His. And not our truth, but His. Thank you for listening to Lost in Transliteration. But you shouldn't be done yet, because it is the glory of Elohim to hide a matter and the honor of kings to search a matter out. Be a king. I implore you to read the scriptures in spirit and truth. And if I am wrong about anything, I teach it needs to be corrected. For we all know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect comes, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Thank you again, and Ahava and Shalom to all of you. Mm -hmm.